Hello listeners, Hugh here. After recording this week's episode of our end of decade review, me and Sam realised that the episode was a little bit too long, so what we decided to do is break it up into three parts. So what you're about to hear is part two, where we do 2013, 2014, and unsurprisingly 2015. Enjoy! Hello and welcome back to Please Watch This. Uh, we're going to get into 2013 now. 2013, uh, big awards kind of year for films. This Gravity, 12 Years a Slave, these were the big ones, you know, before midnight and all that kind of stuff. Um, it was also the year that Man of Steel came out as a kind of significance in the DC EU, U, uh, DCU or whatever. Um, yeah, lots of big CG things, World War Z, Pacific Rim. Hugh, what were the big films for you for 2013? I've only got one film on my list uh, from this year that I would say was significant, and that was Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. What a big a, film. F- such a fun film to watch in the cinema. <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's just exorbitantly debauched sort of film. Yeah. Um, yeah, I saw Man of Steel in the cinema. That was good in the cinema um, it's only sort of I don't know I think sometimes when you go to the cinema you watch a film and you don't because the pace is quite fast you don't overanalyze it at the time it's only after you've watched it and seen it a couple times again or watched it once more and then you get other people's opinions that you're like oh yeah I can see why people don't like this but at the time I thought it was really exciting I think it's fair to say Zack Snyder films tend not to hold up to scrutiny outside of the cinema. I was the same with The Watchmen. I loved it at the cinema. Tried to watch it again. I thought, this is shite. <laughs> or, really? or this is just like, there's so much filler here. This is a, this is a you know, 100 minute film and it's, they turn it into a three hour snore fest um, with some great set pieces. Yeah. Yeah, Wolf of Wall Street. I, I do love that film. I watched it again recently and it it's just big and brash and, and I'd love that I love the idiocy of some of the outcry against it, saying that it's you know it's um, what's the word? It's uh, glamorizing that lifestyle in the same way people said that about Goodfellas. It's like, don't you understand that we're not supposed to like these people? <laughs> you know, they're, they're glamorizing it and making it look great in the same way that Goodfellas made that gangster lifestyle look great. But those people didn't watch the last twenty minutes where everybody dies or everybody get you know it turns out to be an. Uh, hollow lifestyle that yeah. ultimately is selfish and you know destructive um, and it's Although because curiously... Leonardo DiCaprio is such a likeable charismatic lead that you you feel like you're supposed to like him but actually he's a, he's a dickhead isn't he yeah and I think curiously for the sort of especially Wolf of Wall Street there's almost a almost a religious aspect to it because people are looking upon this man as like well how did you do that you know, it's not just like sometimes people glamorize gangster films because it's like, oh, you're going against the mainstream and you're making all this money and you're doing what you do what you want. Where Jordan Belfort was kind of, oh, you're doing what you want, and it's taking it take it took a lot to bring you down. But because it wasn't, you weren't murdering people, you were just hurt. You hurt them in a different way financially. You you know there was the victims. I think one review said of the film. You know, you don't really see it from the victim's point of view. So, so much in like Goodfellas, you see them being whacked. Where here, you don't see, you know, the mummers, the the, gra- the what they call them, mummers and poppers, or gramps and grandmas, and who got who lost all their life savings out yeah. of uh, Belfort's um, 
financial crime so you so it is easy this film i think it does glamorize him to a point but you know look what happens to him when he takes when those quaaludes kick in and he's driving yeah. his car back to his house and, and, and i think if you as a viewer aren't able to see that he's a terrible person then you're flawed mm. as a human being it's not the it's not the job of the filmmaker to like put a little subtitle saying by the way what he just did there when he hit his wife is a bad thing do you know what i mean um like he's a he's a horrible horrible person but yeah you're supposed to you're supposed to be sort of seduced by that lifestyle aren't you because it's because he loved it so much yeah yeah and it's um yeah it's very unusual (laughs) it's a very fun it is fun and it is interesting i'm not gonna yeah i suppose the glamorous side of it is what made it interesting and yeah, I, I, yeah, it's a film of two halves, though, isn't it? There's clearly one half where it's this meteoric rise, and you know they're living the life they want to live, and then the second half of it literally is it all going to shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the you know it's um, it's not even a metaphor. This the boat sinking, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because because the life they led 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 to them having to rush around, and you know they're they're trying to stay one step ahead of the authorities, and you'll never beat the authorities in ninety nine percent of cases. That's it. Crime doesn't pay eventually. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a that's a really solid choice. I think Wolf of Wall Street, a very good a very good film. I think for me, the top film of that year was Stoker. I've never seen it. Yeah, and it doesn't really get talked about all that much. It's um, sort of loosely based on a Hitchcock uh, film, really, rather than Bram Stoker. The the Bram the Stoker bit has got nothing to do with Bram Stoker or vampires, but it's a, a basically a, a mysterious uncle returns who a, a young girl isn't really that aware of, and it's very unclear what his intentions are, what his motivations are, and Matthew Good. It's just phenomenal in this film. He kind of, I first really found out about Matthew Good from Cemetery Junction, and he gave a very good performance. But in this one, he's just, yeah, there's something mag- magnetic and charismatic about his his performance. Really, really enjoyed that film. Uh, we'll probably do it as a future episode, I think. Hmm. And yeah, Mia Wachowski, she was uh, very much a star of the early two twenty teens, wasn't she? Yeah. She was in a lot of films in the first four or five years. Uh, this being one of them, she was in Alice in Wonderland, uh, both of those films. Um, so yeah, it's just sort of interesting. She's and she's great in it. Her career. Yeah, and so it's really for 2013, my favourite films were a little bit niche. There's a film called Blue Ruin that I might have mentioned once before. I don't know if you know anything about Blue Ruin. Um, I do remember you mentioned it, but I don't. I'll be honest, I don't remember our discussion about it. So it's uh, made by Jeremy Saulnier, and he basically just made it from the ground up you know oh is this the revenge film yes yeah that's right yes don't do you know what i won't tell you anything about it i actually would plot do you know what i remember going we did talk about this i do remember and i didn't and then i went and watched the trailer afterwards and it is actually on my list now of films i want to watch because um the trailer was really good and it's it's that real bluegrass grit isn't it i think is a good way of describing it you know deep south grit it's very little dialogue and and it's the same guy who made Green Room he basically sold his house to fund this one just did it all entirely himself um, and that shows you know it's a real auteur Not, I don't really want to use the word auteur but it's somebody having creative control over their entire project and uh, yeah Ben our good friend Ben got me onto that so 
Stoker and Blue Marine are my big two, I think, for 2013. What else do you have other than War for Wall Street, really? Is that is that the only one on your list? That was it. That was the only one when I looked back I could say was the film that I most enjoyed out of that year. Yeah. Gravity wasn't too bad. Uh, I saw that in the cinema, but it's not a film I've gone back to. It's a bit of a stupid film, actually, when you when you think about it. Um, I really liked About Time from that year. I don't think you've seen it, that yet. No, I've been holding off on that now because we you wanted to do it for this podcast. So yeah, I'm kind of undecided. Or I'm a bit. Uh, Richard Curtis does some brilliant films, and then some films I just cannot get on board with at all. And this one, I think, finds the right balance. Also, World's End, the World's End, the kind of end of the Cornetto trilogy, much underappreciated. I think that film. When I, 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 I watch that film, you know, once a year, and it's I still find it really funny and and engaging. I've only watched it once and I was disappointed with it, to be honest. I think it's disappointing if you if you go, this is the guys that made Shaun of the Dead. It's not Shaun of the Dead or Hot Fuzz, but it's, I think, really, really good. I think it's well worth reviewing. I think they perhaps chose the wrong genre to make their third film in. I think they should have gone with a different genre than sci-fi or body snatcher, body invasions or robot sci-fi. I think that would have been, I think it would have been better if they'd picked something else. Um, what would you have suggested? I don't know. I, I just it, this just didn't quite work. I, um, I I just I don't know what it is about it. There's just something not quite there in that film, and it's not a bad film. But and I like the premise to a point. I just I don't know. It's do you know sometimes it's hard to describe why a film doesn't work. Um, and I think maybe the expectation on it was maybe too high, and maybe that's what gets it for me that. I can't not div- I can't not see it as part of the Cornetto trilogy if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. You know, if it was just I mean, did you see Paul? No. When that came out. So it didn't Paul look very good. I would say Paul's almost better than it to be honest. It's more memorable. Um, yeah. Yeah, disappointing really. You know, not but that disappointing and just because I had such high hopes for it rather than it's a terrible film. It's not a terrible film, it's just a bit bit meh yeah well I'd, I'd recommend a, re- a retrial but uh, not to worry I'll uh, I'll let you have your opinion on that um, a film I haven't seen from 2013 we'll get to a list of films that we really want to see and I sort of feel like I really ought to have seen it by now and that's 12 Years a Slave how do you feel about 12 Years a Slave um, it's not a bad film it's a very thought provoking film um, it's visually stunning and it's emotionally quite harrowing it just didn't quite grip me as much as I thought it was going to. I thought this film was really going to, you know, knock my socks off and be like, this is what slavery was, except, you know, this is the hard, brutal realities of it. Um, <laughs> I think the the one drawback of that film is it is set over 12 years and it's hard to condense this man's experiences into, 12 year, into a coherent film because mm. it has big time jumps in it. Um, because obviously... You, the very fact that it's called 12 Years a Slave is already suggesting that he escapes his captivity and <laughs> spoiler yeah. alert <laughs> yeah, yeah when, well, he gets, when he gets to year 11 you're like oh I know what's coming next <laughs> yeah <clears throat> excuse me um, yeah but it's you know again Steve McQueen a beautifully made shot film uh, Chiwetel Eli- I can't pronounce this guy's name <laughs> he's been famous for like 15 years yeah, sorry Chiwetel Ejiofor Chiwetel Ejiofor he's brilliant yeah. in it Michael Fassbender's brilliant in it um, yeah but I th- 
Uh, Lupita Nyong'o is in it, I think, if memory serves me correct. Um, you just listen to the cast now. Um, yeah. No, no, she has. <laughs> she plays that. a character that gets tre- just that. It's one of those films where you watch it and you go, "Just remember, it's a film." At yeah. times, you have to kind of. There's um, there's an awful scene with. Um, oh, what's the, he's not listed here on the cast. Uh, what's his name? Um, Paul Dano. No, the other one. No, not the other one. Um, <laughs> there he is, Paul Giamatti. Oh yeah. Um, there's he basically plays like an auctioneer, uh, and he runs like a slave auction house um, for like upmarket uh, buyers, and um, I think he just gets this ashtray at one point when this woman's misbehaving and just slams it into the side of her head. Jeez. And it's yeah, it's harrowing. I but- imagine Paul Giamatti probably just did that. <laughs> he strikes me as somebody who could do that <laughs> yeah maybe but yeah. you know it's it's interesting because Britain wasn't without slavery and it's part in the slave trade but again it, it, these things always come across as a real American problem yeah you're right we, we did um, slave narratives as one of our kind of uh, topics at A-level uh, English literature and mm-hmm. it was just American stories it was Toni Morrison's Beloved and it was I Know Why, Why the Caged Bird Sings and Maya Angelou and yeah it's, it's very American history isn't it yeah so it's interesting that a English director an English star you know ostensibly some UK actors as well playing important characters you know Michael Fassbender plays one of the plantation owners and it's so it's kind of I, I don't know I kind of look at it through this weird British lens that film because and it's like I mean it's hard you can empathise but do you truly understand when it's mm. not your history that's a strange thing to say I don't know it's a, it's a complex legacy isn't it they yeah, always, yes. I always think that, that this issue is there's no there's not, you know it's always easy to go well slavery was wrong and it, and it truly is and was um, but you'd, it doesn't it doesn't it, it, how do you describe it 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 doesn't again sugarcoat. It's the way I put it. It doesn't ever do that in this film. I'll give anyway, it a go. Talked yeah. about that film more than I would have thought <laughs> I would do because I'm not. Yeah. It, it's I, I wasn't. It didn't move me the way that I thought it was going to. I'm not disappointed, but I wasn't. I wasn't like, oh my god, I should tell everyone to watch this film. It's just, it's it's out there. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, got, it's it's an Oscar type film as well, isn't it? Yeah. So, so I think. It, There's only really one film for it, isn't it? It has to be The Wolf of Wall Street, I think, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's Am fine. I a terrible really person film. for going, oh yeah, 12 Years a Slave, you know, yeah, not too bad. <laughs> yeah. But Wolf of Wall Street, <laughs> This <laughs> white guy <laughs> who makes a success of himself <laughs> by shitting on the little people. Yeah, yeah. Probably yeah, you are. I, think there's, I also think there's, there's a streak of cinema that, is, you know, it should be there, but it's showing relentless, harrowing, uh, scenarios on screen sometimes can get a bit. It can get you can get downbeat by it, and after you know films in the nineties like Schindler's List, um, The Pianist, um, and then Twelve Years a Slave. Ten years later, you just get to that point where I can only watch so many films about humans being truly horrific to one another before you become a little desensitized to it, a bit numb and a bit. You know, I want to see something interesting rather than harrowing. Yeah, I know what you mean by that. I think Pan's Labyrinth did a good job of finding that balance, didn't it, in that case? Because it's about kind of humans being terrible to each other, but with this fairy tale sub-story as well. You're right, mm. it's, it's, it, we are desensitised to 
humanity and humanity to man at this point. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's 2013. I think Wolf but of Wall if, Street has to be our has yeah. to be our choice. I, I, but then I suppose if you're a young teenager or something like that, and you watch Twelve Years a Slave, it might it might drive home this horrific institution that it was. True. Yeah, you know. each new generation needs that thing. You know, so there'll be there'll be another film like that in 15, 20 years. I would have thought for another generation. Yeah. I feel like personally, like for me, it was Schindler's List. I don't think I could have fully appreciated the horrors of the Holocaust without watching something like Schindler's List. Yeah, yeah, and that's how these things get transmitted to us, really, or yeah. it becomes more real for us. Yeah, and you know, even that did its best to stylize some of it because it was shot in black and white. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's get on to something more interesting. Let's get on to the... Well, not more interesting. <laughs> let's let's get away from the misery. Yeah. Um, and let's move swiftly into 2014. 2014. Um, let's, you know, have a real gear shift here. I think one of the best films of 2014, without fail, was Guardians of the Galaxy. What a ro- roaring ride of comedy, fun, adventure, action that was. Yeah, and, and a way of changing the... The genre almost in in comic book movies, you know, we'd got a, a lot of a lot of tropes had been established by this point. You know, we'd had six years uh, of MCU and then God knows however, however many other years of of uh, comic book movies, and it was a set of characters that I don't think many viewers had heard about really, unless they were proper properly into their comic books beforehand. Um, I'd never heard of them. No, no, it was one of those where I felt like, oh, am I supposed to have heard of these? Maybe I just won't mention that I don't know who the hell any of these people are. <laughs> I have you seen Guardians of the Galaxy Two? I think you have Yes. Right? I yeah, didn't find that very funny at all. For the most part. I didn't I didn't enjoy it the first time I watched it and then the second time I watched it I really enjoyed it. It was strange, a bit like you in Inception. It's yeah. better on second viewing. But then I think it suffered from Guardians One came so far out of left field and it was so enjoyable that I think it was almost an impossible job to do yeah. a film as good the second time around. They had to just turn up those jokes a little bit further, but actually no, I think you're right, Guardians is a an excellent film to choose there, actually. Yeah. Um Was that um, your number number one choice then for the year? No, that was just I thought we could just move swiftly away from <laughs> the institution of slavery by yeah. by having a fun film <laughs> mentioned there. Uh, another fun film from this year was The Grand Budapest Hotel. Mm, um, yeah. What a fascinatingly fun film that is. I think it's my favourite Wes Anderson. Yeah, that's a bold bold Wes Anderson statement. Yeah, I do love Wes Anderson to a point. I find it a bit too um, pleased with itself, uh, a lot of the film. like the, It becomes a parody of itself because it's the same cast every time and the same visual aesthetic and so on. I think Grand Budapest Hotel changed that a little bit had a few new cast members plus obviously keeping Jason Schwartzman and Bill Murray and all that as well but really funny it was the first time I'd seen Ray Fiennes be really funny other than Cemetery Junction you know and actually he's got some chops he's got some famously comedy yeah. chops he can be, the man can act <laughs> yeah he really can and he's not this wooden sort of yeah posh stiff upper lip brick <laughs> genuinely yeah. funny man um, yeah brilliant film really brilliant film yeah, I love the bit where the guy falls off the ski ramp at the end, <laughs> or near the end. You know, he goes off and it's just a little model and you just hear him go, ah! <laughs> really funny. <laughs> yeah, there is a nice lot of... Um, you yeah. some model work, isn't there? There's a bit of model work on there. The hotel is this grand model and... Yeah, yeah. really funny film. Very, very, very Wes Anderson film. Um, 
Go on then. What would you like to talk about next? So year? neither of those two are in my list actually for top ones of the of the year, but I'm I'm on board with them. Whiplash, Whiplash, I think was the best film that year. Yeah. It, yeah. I, I mean, I was Good film. when I heard about the idea, I thought, well, this is going to be fucking boring, isn't it? Um, and I watched it back to back with Birdman. Obviously, Birdman won the Oscar, um, and I just much preferred Whiplash. Just so intense. J.K. Simmons was phenomenal uh, in, in that and. I didn't. I just didn't think that I'd find jazz drumming a film about jazz drumming and trying to be the best jazz drummer you can be to be that good. It was you know it's like an action film, but for drumming. Is it because we don't have the same culture of jazz that the Americans have? So to us, no, I don't we think just so. we just don't have an intensity about that type of music that they have in America. No, I don't, it's very much. I don't think it's their about, genre, isn't it? I don't think it's about that really. To be honest, I think it's more about obsession. And perfectionism, and um, being oh yeah, I mean it is it. about yeah, it is it's about those really things. About but I mean, coming, is it? no, yeah, about the same way. Um, Jaws isn't about the shark. Exactly, yeah. It could be, <laughs> it could be anything, and they just. I mean, drumming's yeah. quite good for the for the beat of it. And I think Damien Chazelle was a, a drummer as well, so he was kind of drawing on those experiences. So Whiplash, absolutely yeah. number one for me. Um, I think I always draw parallels with it with Black Swan. I think they've got exactly yeah two very interesting. You know, it's about. Self-destructive, uh, yeah, self obsession yeah. and perfectionism. Yeah, within a, a creative art form that yeah is meant to be done for enjoyment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and ultimately becomes you know something that isn't enjoyable, uh, and in one film leads to psychosis. Um, <laughs> yeah, another film. I, so uh, speaking of films that could have led to psychosis, uh, Edge of Tomorrow or oh, Live film. Die Repeat, whichever one you want to call it. I don't like the name Live Die Repeat. I no. prefer the name Edge of Tomorrow because it. Live Die Repeat feels a bit too sort of quirky. Yeah, exactly. I, that was one of the most fun films of this decade, I think, Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, it was, wasn't it? It was, it was, it was like a video game. Yeah, it was almost an unexpected hit, wasn't it, from your ma- your boy Tom Cruise, <laughs> uh, or as I like to call him, uh, Benjamin Button. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's, he's just not aged. <laughs> Um, or Dorian Gray. <laughs> There's a painting in a in a Catholic seminary somewhere in Boston with an absolute decrepit, war destroyed painting or photograph. Or a cosmetic surgeon somewhere who's just bought a third house. It's hard to know. <laughs> I mean, that might be libelous. Sorry, I, I don't know if he's litigious. Also, you know, a real success. I, I was thinking of it as being a a flop that, but actually, more than doubled its money. Uh, box office box office three hundred and seventy million. Well, so, they're always talking about making a sequel to it, and I think there might yeah. be one in the works. So, yeah, anything so that, yeah, anything that's an original property, which in action movie terms is quite rare these days to get, you know, talk of a sequel. Um, yeah, it was very good. It just it was, it was like you said, it was very enjoyable. It, I think people like a good film where a character starts out either unlikable or incompetent and becomes likable and competent and. Mm. Does does the right thing at the end of the day. So I think yeah. Um, another film we've already mentioned. We had a full episode about this. Gone Girl. We won't talk yeah. about it here again. Uh, that's on my list of my favourite films of twenty fourteen. Twenty fourteen was an amazing year for film actually. Really good in year. Retrospect. Really good year for horror. Two horror films that made it to my list. It follows and the Duck. Is um, it follows from twenty fourteen? Uh, this is what I mean. It, it must be. It's on your list. But Christ, <laughs> I, can't, I didn't realise it came out so many years ago. I thought. Yeah. I thought it came out in like twenty sixteen. No, it's something I've double-checked. Yeah, it's 2014. Um, yeah, because it, these two films uh, we will do as future episodes. I think you haven't seen either of them. Is that right? 
No, no, as uh, people who listen regularly know that, I'm not the biggest horror film fan, so... Yeah, and it's not... Neither of them are your you sort of standard cookie-cutter, you know, this this uh, this doll-is-possessed kind of film. The Babadook mm. is set in a house a lot of the time, and it has some tropes, but plays with them really magnificently. It Follows is just a, one of the most creepy and effective uh, concepts ever, and for those who haven't seen either of those two films, I, w- I won't go any further than that, but... Look forward to future episodes on that. We'll get we'll get Ben in. Maybe do a double header. Maybe yeah. maybe next Halloween we could get we could do them next Halloween. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Seems like a great idea. Um, a film I want to mention. Um, I don't think you said you'd seen it, but I think just as a technical masterpiece alone, um, and it's you know the fact that somebody finally went out and did this, and not only was it engaging and enjoyable, but uh, Boyhood. Um, oh yeah, the yeah. Richard Linklater film about a young man growing up. I think from the age of five to eighteen or something like it's that. It's a risky move, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, was, I think I'm yeah. right saying that there was a, a an actress, a girl in there who didn't come back later. Is that right? She didn't want to keep going. I'm not sure. Uh, potentially, yeah. what like his sister? It, it might have been his sister. I think it was his sister. It's like this sort of the other Osborne sibling. <laughs> yeah, I think Amy or whatever who never wanted to be on the show. Yeah, maybe. Um, but I think I think she's older, so they could just explain it that she's away at college. Right. At that point, it does seem. Yeah, it does seem a bit. Do you know what? As much as I love this film, I've only actually ever watched it once, um, and I do want to watch it again. I think we're going to watch it for the podcast because you've not seen it. Yeah. Um, so I'm not going to go too much into it now. Um, for those of you who have seen it, you know what I mean. It's it's very engaging. It's it's a great performances from the young man who plays the boy, um, from um, Ethan Hawke. I mean, imagine committing to that and just being like yeah this is going to work you know? yeah I'll still be bankable star in 12 years sure yeah Ethan yeah. Hawke and Patricia Arquette the pair of them and it's it, you you see them, I know it sounds silly but with a child you kind of expect them to change but you actually see the adults change as well right yeah to come back and have to inhabit a character who's the same but a little bit different each year must have been very difficult for the the adult stars in this film I think I bet, yeah yeah so yeah, I can. I can't recommend it highly enough. I mean, yeah, just to have the just to have the balls as a director to do that because every year you're saying you're saying to a film production company, "Oh, we're going to release this film in 13 years' time," and that and I want <laughs> 50 million dollars to make it. It's yeah. just a, it's an indie, but that's it. Yeah. This, like a bit like some studios don't know if they're going to still be around by then, <laughs> you know. And obviously, you can still sell it on and whatnot. But yeah, it's. Uh... I mean, there won't be many many occurrences of this, I think, in the future. Um, no. I've got two other films I really want to mention. First one, my biggest, I think, my biggest surprise of that year for just how much I enjoyed it was John Wick. When I went to that. <laughs> so Do you 20, like John Wick? Yeah, it, I don't it was mind just, it because it was just so silly, like the extent to it. I've not seen any of the sequels, but the first one came out that year because I went to see it. I don't know why I went to see it. I think I'd started getting. Cineworld Unlimited card around about 2014-15 so I started to watch a lot more films around then and uh, yeah I went on to see it and it was just I thought oh good an action film that knows it's an action film and it's big stupid set pieces and ridiculous being shot in the face at point blank to hundreds of people with no subtlety mm. or whatever yeah really enjoyable yeah it's not subtle is it <laughs> <laughs> and I like a but film it's... that knows what it is I think that's the I've seen the second one. I've not seen the third one. Um, Laura Diminishing returns with it for this one for me. But yeah, probably would be. Yeah, it's. 
you know, I, I, I can see how it, it's weird because it, you wouldn't, how many revenge films get made every decade? You know, <laughs> a man alone is out to get revenge, you know, entirely. Yeah. It's a, it's a genre onto itself, Liam Neeson's career for the last 15 years, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> since 2008, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, so... The other, uh, other big film for this year is Nightcrawler. That was a real, really good top-quality film. Like Edge of Tomorrow, just... It, it had no right to be as good as it was, yeah. because it's a subject matter about something so peculiar that maybe a bit foreign to us in this country again. We don't have that. We do have rolling news, but we're not... The, the laws in this country are a little different to America, so, you know, you're not going to get away with showing, you know, as like one of the characters says, if it leads, it if it bleeds, it leads. You know, yeah, if we're, yeah. We're not going to show that on TV in this country um, after 10 o'clock. And even then, news corporations tend not to show the most gruesome things. They'll, they'll freeze the frame if something violent and bloody happens. Um you know, it, so it's it's a great insight to a, a psychopath, a great insight into the the manufacturing of news. Oh, yeah, I could. Yeah, oh, it, Jake Gyllenhaal's it, wonderful in it. He, that was it. He, this was when he first really for me. I went, oh wow, he's actually a world class actor, and I felt silly for not realizing that probably before. Um, and he kind of lost weight for it, and really looks like a sort of starved kind of coyote jackal thing, you know, that's out scavenging and just really good t- uh, pacing and progression for him towards you know just just filming it to then um sabotaging another uh another cameraman to then actually sort of basically creating a scene that he can then film again kind of like whiplash and, and black swan it's that self-destructive obsession yeah uh, but to the end his ends are really odd because it, it's only at the start of the film that he, re- he realises that there is money to be made doing this you know and then he mm-hmm. pursues it for the rest of the film yeah really good really good really good film but so difficult year to, to decide on I think for our f- top film yeah so I, I've got here The Grand Budapest Hotel Ga- Guardians of the Galaxy Boyhood Edge of Tomorrow Gone Girl and Nightcrawler I mean the film that won the Oscar doesn't even get a look in here yeah, um, yeah. I don't mind Birdman I, yeah I, it's a bit art house for it, a bit overly art housey. Um, yeah, I wasn't that impressed by it. I, it was it was fun, but it's again this is why the Oscars should take, wait a decade because I don't think it would win it now. I'm those. glad that I'm glad that Michael Keating was in a film again that's big and mainstream because yeah. I really enjoy that actor. Um, I really want him to do more films like this. You know, I've, I watched The Founder earlier this year. That's a brilliant film with him in. It's great, yeah. He's had a little, a little renaissance really in this last five years, yeah, with that, and obviously creating Spider Man and creating um, uh, Spotlight, you know. So yeah, he's had a, he's had a good uh, renaissance. Yeah, yeah, I think really difficult year to decide. A very, very strong year that. I think of those films. I'll rule out Boyhood because you've not seen it. Yeah, I, I think my favourite of those films. I didn't think I'd say this. Is probably Edge of Tomorrow. Right. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if you're happy with that as our unanimous choice. Is it better than the Grand Budapest Hotel? Ultimately, is it um, as ambitious? Is is it has it got the depth of character? Because it it has two good characters in it, and it has some fun side characters. But I had I, more I, fun watching it, and yeah. I I don't love the Grand Budapest Hotel enough in the depth. Is it and all better that. than Is it better than Nightcrawler or Gone Girl? It's not a higher quality, 
I think Nightcrawler is a better film in the sense of a smarter film and so on. But I just, I really enjoyed it. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's really tr- tricky choice. I would definitely, I would definitely compromise with Nightcrawler. So you think Nightcrawler was better than Gone Girl? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, yeah. I don't think it's better than Gone Girl. I think the fact that I'm... Yeah, I don't... Well, I don't know, actually. Which would I have recommended... If you hadn't seen either of those two mm. films, which would I have recommended first? I think I always wanted to go back and watch Gone Girl, where Nightcrawler was one of those that I watched and was like, oh, crikey. And then I've not been compelled to watch it again. Yeah, I think that's quite telling. It doesn't necessarily mean it's the worst film. Sometimes no. it can mean it's a really effective film because you don't feel like you need to watch it again. Whereas Gone Girl, what, there's a mystery there that you What can... about Whiplash? I would definitely go with Whiplash. I can go with Whiplash. That's my number Whip... one. Yeah, Whiplash was a... Yeah, let's go with Whiplash because I think we can't... It's hard to find fault with it. Yeah. Um, it's hard to not enjoy the performances from both uh, J.K. Simmons and... Um... Miles Teller. Miles Teller, thank you. Uh, yeah, they're both really good in it. Um, it's got it's compelling all the way to the end. Maybe it, it stretches a bit of credulity at the end that this would they would you know the music would overcome everything and it and he'd get on his time and they could they could but you know as musicians maybe that's you know it's their obsession is equally as destructive with each other and it's yeah you know, they're just trying to find that one perfect session I suppose that was um, kind of it that was yeah that's all he wanted to get from him really was a good yeah. session so yeah let's right. go let's go with Plash that's the please watch so, this film of 2014. Okay, so, so far we've got, uh, for 2010, we've got The Social Network. For 2011, we've got Drive. For 2012, we've got The Avengers Assemble, or Avengers. Uh, 2013, Wolf of Wall Street. And 2014, uh, Whiplash. 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 Say Cold Whip. It's ruined. Okay, so 2015. 2015. 2015 has got so much Oscar bit in that year. Um, Just... All the, like Carol is a sort of loving lesbian romance. Spotlight is a hard hitting like, political thing. Uh, you got well, not Star Wars isn't necessarily an uh, Oscar thing. Um, you got the Revenant, which is kind of really putting Leo DiCaprio through the gr- Did through Spotlight the like beat beat the Revenant. Yeah, it's mental. But again, Spotlight's it's, good, but it's not. It's so Oscar. Got... It's Oscars, isn't it? You know, it's it's a it's a political hard hitting journalism y thing that's social issues and so on but but Re- the revenant <laughs> so i've got here on my list uh the films that really have stuck with me and i'd love to go back i've watched uh, a couple of times i've got the martian the revenant room the lobster the big show um this was an I'll excellent fight, year I will, film i will fight you because <laughs> <laughs> i can't pick between any of those the lobster are oh, with its quick dialogue it's surrealist humor and it's dystopian like examination of coupling uh, the Martian just a great fun survival movie with lots of cool 70s disco in it uh, great performance from Matt Damon The Revenant is just beautifully shot compelling revenge sort of survivalist story um, the, the Big Short a great examination of the failures of uh, the banking system during the collapse in 2008 um, what else did you mention there? well We've not even mentioned my number one film of this year. Yeah, we've got X. Sorry, we've got X Machina there, haven't we? As well, uh, before you mentioned your number one f- film, Mad Max, Mad Max Fury Road. F- people yeah. are obsessed with that film. I, I, can we? In fact, let's go with Mad Max Fury Road first. 
I wasn't as impressed by that film as the whole of the world seems to be. <laughs> I it's love that bad. film. It's crazy. It's Sell mental. It to me. It's like John Wick. It's you know it knows what it is, and you know my heart didn't go below 130 BPM at any point in that in that film. I think it's a film I would have preferred to have seen in the cinema. I think I yes, think I, that's maybe that's I what you missed out on. So 2015 was the year when uh, I met my partner. We got Cineworld Unlimited cards and we went to the cinema. We lived other sides of London, so basically when we met up, we'd go to the cinema uh, yeah. two or three times a week and just watch all these. So I've seen lots of the films from this year, even the ones that I wasn't that interested in, like Everest and The Man From Uncle. And uh, Mad Black Fury Road was the most fun, rollicking, you know, rip-roaring, as the word you used earlier for Guardians of the Galaxy, rip-roaring cinematic experience, because it just never lets up. And I think I saw somewhere, I can't remember where I saw it, it makes other filmmakers look lazy. <laughs> like, the effort and the, the risk and the expense and the, you know, the danger they put themselves to this film, it was fucking intense. And Charlie Theron is brilliant. It really shouldn't be a Mad Max film. It should be a, you know, what's her name? Uh, Fury... Oh, Furiosa. Furiosa. You know, yeah. it's really her film, uh, but Mad Max is what sells the tickets. Uh, yeah, really brilliant, brutal film. Yeah, I just, I don't know, I didn't like the storyline of it that much. I liked some parts, but I don't think it quite worked. And a lot of the, it seemed, sometimes it just seemed action for action's sake. I don't know if you saw, but- there was a guy playing a guitar with flames coming out of it <laughs> what more do you but, need you don't need plot I mean it was it was just really fun I mean there was some plot to it and it was you know but it was just like I mean I like the fact that they get to the place that they're trying to get to and then it turns out that that just doesn't exist yeah essentially the way and I the like mission that changes kind of, yeah yeah um, I don't like one of the character deaths in it I think it was I, th- I think that's maybe what turned me off this film and see it's unexpected, but I wasn't I wasn't happy with it. I don't well, want to spoil it for people who haven't seen no, it. No, that's fair. Uh, it just just really like the most fun I've had at the cinema since John Wick. I think that one. Fair enough. I can I can see why people like it. It's not again. I didn't dislike it. I just don't think it's this film that everyone thinks it seems to be. Yeah, I think I think if it came out again at the cinema, that would be a good well, opportunity to see what I can but uh, do you know what it is people get mad at like films like you know these Fast and the Furious films and I've no love for them but that's kind of what it felt like when I watched it it felt a bit Fast and Furious it is but it's it's grounded Fast and Furious is like big CG action set pieces this is just actually let's drive a bunch of big trucks and cars at 60 miles an hour through the desert and mm. try not to die and have people on big pole vaults and stuff Fast and Furious is, is a lot of fun but in a very weightless, nothing, you know, nothing kind of way. I think Mad Max was much more visceral and evocative. In fact, know? there's a couple of characters in this that die, which kind of annoyed me. Um, <laughs> but I'm not going to get into it again. There had to be spoil. some deaths. There had to be some deaths. Yeah. This all um, leads to my number one pick of this year. Yeah. Now, a film that I don't think's brilliant. I genuinely think it should have been in the contention for the best picture. Inside Out the animated uh, Pixar uh, film just cried several times cried at the um, the lava shot beforehand and seen that a million times since uh, went to the cinema three times to go to watch Inside Out uh, with different people cried every time loved it just really smart really smart in a very subtle way 
um, kind of in in its depictions of the brain and the, the emotions and you know all this sort of stuff. Really, really smart and also really, really helpful to families. Um, I remember listening to some some emails and phone-ins into the Kermit and Mayo show uh, from parents saying that it would help them to talk to their children about emotions and yeah. to really try to understand their emotions. To be honest, I don't think it's a kid's film. Obviously, kids can enjoy it, but I think it's a. it just happens to be animated. I think it's for everybody, uh, that film. Yeah, it's my number one of the year. Brilliant, brilliant film. What yeah, is it you don't like about it? It's because it's not so much I dislike the film... I just don't think it has the emotional impact that something like Up had. And I think it's trying to do that um, in a different way. And I just, I was expecting it to be a lot more, um, I was expecting for me to have a more illicit emotions um, extracted from me and they just they just didn't come with this film, I'm afraid. Is um, it possible that you'd... You're dead inside. Dead in the yeah. <laughs> well, just prove that I'm not dead inside. Um, <laughs> my one of my favourite films. Maybe I think for me for this year, yeah, it's a toss up between The Revenant and this film Room with mm. um, Brie Larson and, and I can't remember the little boy who plays the little boy in that. I'm, uh, I'm yet to see this film. Yeah, very I mean, guiltily. Uh, I've seen yeah. I've seen The Room. Yeah, that's is the it film sort of like that. a hard reboot. No, no, the room. No, it's called room. The room is, is the. Room. Yeah, that's what. I, was, I don't think you picked up on what I was throwing down there. The room is the uh, Michael Weiser disaster artist film. Yeah. Um, I was doing a little. It is a bit. You, well, you've been trying to clever, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and it, it's it sort of failed. And I mean, there's somebody out there left. <laughs> probably, probably not. Uh, it's probably um, so. What's the little boy called? Jacob uh, Tremblay. Uh, oh yeah. It's called. Uh, it's got Brie Larson in. It's got that young man Jacob Tremblay in. Uh, it's got William H Macy in it. Again, um, you just you're just listening to the cast here. What was so good about I am. it? <laughs> because well, the, the, that's what's good about it. First and foremost is the cast. But it was just I cried at that film three or four times. Oh my god, that f- film put me <laughs> on an emotional roller coaster, Sam. Honestly, that I, I don't think I've watched it since because it's so, you know, harrowing almost. Yeah. Um, just the, I don't know what it was. It was just it caught me at the right time to really get the old uh, tears flowing. The bit when well, you've not seen well, it, well, yeah, don't say anything. <laughs> there's there's one bit that's not even one of the saddest bits or one of the most emotional bits, but it it just. I wasn't, you know, when sometimes in a film you start crying and you're expecting it because it's it's built up to this moment. But in this, it just was like, oh, here's this person. You're just like, oh, I don't. <laughs> and I think and this is one of the reasons why I was I've not embarrassed gone to... for myself at how much <laughs> I cried at that film. <laughs> I've not gone back to watch it. I think re- really, when I know there's a film I'm supposed to watch that's harrowing, I tend to not watch it unless I sat with somebody watching it. So, Twelve Years a Slave, I've never seen Schindler's List. I've never seen The Pianist. I've never seen. La Vie Belle I've never seen uh, Room I've never seen you know if it's something that I know I'm going to cry out because it's uplifting or beautiful then I might watch that like uh, It's Wonderful Life <laughs> or something but yeah I find it really hard of my own accord to sit there knowing I'm going to be watching a film that's going to make me really sad yeah I mean this film does have an uplifting element to it um, I think that's that's the central premise of its success is that it's not just a slugfest of trying to get through it and you know, you pat yourself on the back for being able to sit through the film and deal with all the emotions it throws out to you. It's, it's that's what differentiates it from certain types of films like this. Yeah, um, 
But yeah, great films. So there's one in, of the film. Uh, there's one of the film actually okay. uh, from this year that I think is on our list to watch. Unless you've seen it, it's Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. No, I've not seen it. So again, this was you know the year that I went to the cinema a lot, and it's this, exactly the sort of film that people would bang on about now that I just wouldn't get the time or energy to go and watch. And you know, it's kind of like a little indie film, and it's. It's really sweet, and it's these two kids at school who, they're Swede uh, movies, they kind of recreate movies, a bit like um, Be Kind Rewind, but it's not in order to replace the videotapes at a store, I think, that they've accidentally deleted or whatever, it's just for their own fun, and it's so good, John Benthor's in it as their teacher, and he's great in that, um... Oh, imagine him a being a teacher. <laughs> well, like, he's the sort of teacher that you'd imagine him to be. <laughs> uh, you know, they kind of you kids coming in here when I'm cleaning think, my shotgun. <laughs> I think he offers them booze, or you know, he's, he's, or he, smir- he smirks or something in front of them. Uh, Teachers are very different in America. Yeah, but when it's John Benthel. Um so that's one of my one of my top films that year. But Inside Out is my number one top. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be a difficult one then. Yeah. yeah, and another honourable mention of uh, Ex Machina. We haven't yes, even definitely. had a chance to talk about that. That was an amazing film. Very smart um, film. That just gets better yeah. and better and better, really, as more is revealed. Yeah, yeah. It's um, lot. I wasn't expecting it to be as good as it was, quite frankly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I thought, it. I thought oh, this is going to be overhyped nonsense. Oh, it's really smart, really moving, really mysterious. A great cast of like three people, <laughs> four people. Yeah. Yeah, showed the acting chops of Oscar Isaac, Donald yeah. Gleeson, and Alicia Vikander, um, who's they're just amazing in that film. She's brilliant in it. Yeah. Um, right. So I'll be honest, Sam. It's not going to be Inside Out for me. I'm I'm just not on board with it. Like no, you that's were. fair enough. Um, you've not seen The Room, so we can't have that. You have seen The Lobster. Yeah. Have you seen The Big Short? Seen The Big Short. I think for me, of the ones that I think you'd like, I think I'd be most game for The Martian right okay what about The Revenant Uh, I I much prefer The Martian over The Revenant The Revenant is great it really is great but I much prefer The Martian or Ex Machina that would be my suggestions to you Mm. because you're not really sold on Mad Max or Inside Out Uh, I say I've not seen Room so I think I think either The Martian The Revenant or Ex Machina See in my on my list of ascend, ascending order, it goes the Marsh and the Big Short, the Lobster Room, and then the Revenant. Finally, let's go with the Revenant then. Yeah, yeah, that we'll is, do that. I think it was much better than Spotlight. Spotlight's good, but I don't know. There's just something amazing about. There's something very powerful about that film. Yeah, it's it's and it broke new ground in terms of long shots with these great subtle cuts. Uh, you know, to really open up a battlefield sequence that's not like cut, 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 so you can't actually see what's going on. You see everything, and it's brutal, yeah. and finally gave Leo the, the Oscar. So, yeah, uh, let's go with The Revenant. I think he's better in Wolf of Wall Street, to be honest. I think I think that film should have won Best Picture, and, yeah, I think he should have won Best Oscar for uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Probably. Yeah, but. probably. This is just the way that the Oscars work, though, isn't it? Yeah. Rightio. So that was 2015. So we're going with yeah. The Revenant there, but a great year for films. Really hard to pick. Really hard to pick. 2014 yeah. and 2015. And I think and it's another... the year in which I've seen the most of them. So another difficult year we've got here is 2016. Yeah. So join us after the break for 2016. 
Hello listeners, Hugh here again once more. So that was part two of our three-part spectacular. If you haven't listened to part one, you can have a look now in your feed because part one's already there. And if you want to listen to part three, which I highly recommend you do, it's also available. Um, Just a quick reminder before we go, uh, you can catch us on email at pleasewatchthis.pod at gmail.com. And if you want to interact with us on social media, we're at pleasewatchpod.com at Twitter. That's please watch pod at Twitter. So we'll see you in part three. Bye.